Amen. Well, on today, amen, we are going to divert from our series on the Sermon on the Mount for a particular message that the Lord has laid on my heart from the book of Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 12. The epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 12. Amen. Amen. And when you have it, please say amen. 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 And let us stand for the reading of God's holy word. Amen. Hebrews, chapter 12. Starting at verse 1, you will find these words. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him Endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. And for a few moments, I'd like to speak with you from the thought, run on. Run on. Thank you for standing. May you be seated in the presence of the Lord. Run on. Run on. The church of God is placed in a peculiar, unique setting in which God has uniquely placed us to be a tool in his tool belt, amen, for the work of building the kingdom of God. There is an agenda of the king. The king being Jesus Christ as we have seen from Matthew chapter 5. But God did not leave us alone in this work in this season. But he left notes, love notes to us And one of them is the book of Hebrews. He he left a history. He left some notes about others who were also in this battle. That was also following this agenda. And he showed their successes so that we could see that God is going to be with us as well. Now the book of Hebrews is an interesting book. And that if you miss the context 
of this epistle or this letter, you are going to have some serious interpretive challenges trying to unpack text in the chapters of this book. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know who that writer was. It is not mentioned and the history of this letter has some very shaky areas in order to determine who the writer was. And when you look at the signature of the, the letter of Hebrews, it does have a Pauline flair to it, but yet in other points it does not. Some say Barnabas, some say Paul, some even say Peter. But I contend that it's a good thing that we don't necessarily know who the human author is so that we can put more emphasis on the true author who is God. Because these words are inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God. Old and New Testament. So when we began to look at chapter 12, we must understand that the writer was writing to the Hebrews to tell them about a more excellent way. That the writers was, the writer was trying to speak to the Judaizers that there was a better way than following Judaism. There was a more excellent way. In each of the chapters on the pages of the epistle to the Hebrews, the writer is constantly saying that there is a more superior, a more excellent way. And in reality, he talks about how Jesus is the more excellent way. How Jesus is the better Sabbath. How Jesus is the better high priest. How Jesus is the better sacrifice. How Jesus is the more what? Excellent way. So as we began to look at chapter 12, the text says, therefore we also, since we are what? Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. When we look at this text, we realize that there are some things that will weigh you down. The issues of life will derail you and will cause you to miss the direction that God has for you. The concerns of this world are strong and they speak loudly into our ears so that times we cannot even hear God. But the writer is encouraging us that we have the power to lay it down. So now we realize that we have these encumbrances, these things that get in our way, but God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has given us a place and a way to lay them down. At any time, at any place, we can lay our troubles at the feet of Jesus. 
And we know that he is a burden bearer. We know that he is a heavy load sharer. The Bible says that those who labor, that we can cast our cares on him, that we can give them to him because his burden is light. And so this text says, and lay down the sin. You know, and it says, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, many interpreters have a problem with this word sin here. Some even mistakenly make this word sin plural and say the sins. But if you look at this text in its context, you realize that it is talking about a singular sin. And as we begin to look at this context around this passage, I think it will come full circle and it will come to your your understanding real quick. Because in the context of this, the so great a cloud of witnesses, that context is found in the 11th chapter. The 11th chapter of Hebrews is called the Hall of Faith. The chapter opens up and says, now faith is the substance of things, what? Hopeful. And the evidence of things, what? Not seen. And then he goes on to begin to give a litany of those who had faith. By faith, Abel gave a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah, for 120 years, he built the ark, even though they had never seen rain. By faith, Noah kept on while his detractors spit on him, while they laughed at him, while they called him a kook. By faith. By faith, Abraham left his family, left his country, and went to a place where he didn't even know where he was going. By faith, Abraham believed God that even while he was as dead, he believed the promise that God was going to make him a father of many nations. By faith, he, he went to sacrifice his only begotten son, Isaac, knowing that he didn't know how God was going to make it happen But he knew that they were going to return together. But because he believed the promises of God by faith. By faith, saints of God, we have to look at our present circumstances. Even though we can't see our way through them, we got to believe God's promises. No matter how crazy things look. No matter how strange it looks, it doesn't matter that it seems like everything is just getting ready to fall apart. The story is not over until God says it's over. And you know, sometimes in our lives, we find ourselves spinning around and we find ourselves worrying and pulling our hair out about a bridge that we haven't even gotten to yet. Sometimes we are worried about things that are down the road. And we know that the Lord knows our needs before we ask. But sometimes the world gets in there and causes us to forget about the promises of God. Sometimes we just need to 
trust God enough to keep on going down the road. So that when we get to that bridge, we may find that it's not even out. See, Satan is the author of deception. And he will try to convince you way ahead of time that the bridge has been blown away and nobody's working on the repair. But we know that we serve a God that's got all power in his hand. If we believe he's a way out of no way, we don't have to worry about the bridge anyhow. Because even if the bridge is out, we know the God that we serve can still make a way to the other side. Think about the the people of Israel when they were in Egypt. Can you imagine that God has now led you to the Red Sea and all you have known is the mighty power of Pharaoh and his armies. And you look behind you and they're coming in their chariot with horses and you on feet. There's no way you can outrun them and there's no way you got more might than them when you look at it from a human perspective. But Moses trusted God. And God saw it and he said, stretch out your staff. And it was God who parted the Red Sea. But he didn't just stop there. He let them cross on dry ground. Now all that water that's been there, God's got the power to dry up the mucky and miry places in our life. The places that cause us to get locked up and tied up and tangled up so we can't move for the Lord. God's got a way to make dry places out of that muck and miry clay. Reverend Stephen was preaching last week in Psalm 40 and we found that, hey, he has lifted us up out of the muck and miry clay and he set our feet on solid ground. Whereas we wait on the Lord Just because the Lord has not said nothing does not mean he's denied us. See, we so much get caught up in our feelings and how we feel better than what we know. Because God's promises is not a feeling. It is a declaration of the Lord. And sometimes the Lord is just testing our faith. That if you don't feel me, will you still believe in me? If you don't feel me, will you still trust me? If you don't have that ooey-gooey, will you still keep on keeping on in the Lord? Because just because God delays does not mean he's denied. I don't know about you, but it sounds like and it looks like there's some people that's been on this earth a little while. And when you live for the Lord a little while, you find that sometimes God waits to the 11th hour to show up. Sometimes you've already got the notice and on tomorrow, things are getting ready to be cut off. Things are getting ready to be taken away. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God shows up and don't he show out, brother me? He shows up in a way that we don't even Imagine we had tried to think our way through and God comes through the side door. Hallelujah. And he supplies every need according to his riches and glory, just like he promised. So now we see how we should not get caught up or caught up into the, the weight of worry. 
the weight of wondering whether God is going to do what he said he can do and keep on running for the Lord. See, that's what slows us down in this race is we get tied up and tangled up in worry. We get tied up and tangled up in things that are really not our responsibility. It wasn't Abraham's responsibility to figure out where he was going when he left his family. It was God. It wasn't his responsibility to figure out how Isaac was going to be delivered. It was God's. And in our lives, the things that we are going through, it's not our responsibility. It's God. God has said that he is the heavy load bearer. And I know our loads get heavy, but they ain't too heavy for the Lord. If we can just hold on to that, our days will be a little bit easier, won't they? If we can just not let the enemy get us thrown off, but realize that God is there with us every step of the way. That when he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us, he meant it. Not because we can feel him, but because we know him. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians, it says we are sealed to the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians chapter 1. Now, now God promised that he would have his Holy Spirit inside of us and that the Bible says the Spirit is the Lord. So each and every believer has the capacity of God on the inside. And he's sealed until God comes back to get us. So as long as we're going through the issues of life, we got somebody right there who can overcome everything that we're dealing with. We got somebody right there that hears our cry. We got somebody right there that feels our pain. We got somebody right there that can do something about it. Amen in the Holy Spirit. So when we look at this text, And we look at the point that says, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. It's important to realize that it's the sin, singular, definite article. So what sin is the writer talking about? It's all around the context. Chapter 11 is the hall of Faith. Chapter 12 says to us as well that it says that we should by faith run this race. It's the word faith that the sin points to. And in reality, that's really what happens to us, isn't it? It's our lack of faith that really gets us caught up and tangled up. It's our lack of really trusting and depending upon God. But we have to go back to the words of James and realize that faith is not faith alone. But that faith without works is dead. If you believe it, then you should act like it. If you believe God is going to supply your every need, then why do we worry? If we're going to worry, then we're not believing. If we're believing, then we're not worried. But anything else short of faith is sin. Amen. Because God told us 
to put our faith in him. And so if we don't have faith in him, it is sin. Paul makes mention to that very same thing in about the 14th or 15th chapter of Romans. He basically explicitly says the lack of faith is sin. Amen. So the sin that so easily besets us is our lack of faith. But I'm so glad that God preserved chapter 11 of the hall of faith. That God was showing us that in impossible situations, God made a way anyway. In situations where there looked like there was no possibility, God made a possibility. Because he is the God of impossibilities. Huh? He is the one that he surpasses all of our understanding. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord. With all your heart and all your mind and lean not to your own understanding. But acknowledge him in all your ways and then he will direct your path. See, it is not our responsibility to navigate the waters and the, the, the wilderness of this world. It's God's. If we let God be God, then our pathway will be a whole lot easier because God sees everything all at once. While we're waiting on time to pass, God's already seen it. So if God's already seen it, and he's got the power to do everything and nobody can stop the Lord and he can be all places all the time then what are we worried about being servants of him can God not see our financial difficulties can God not see our health difficulties can God not see our employment issues can God not see problems with our children Problems with our brothers and sisters, with our friends, with other people on our job, our bosses. God can see all of that. But sometimes we have not because we ask not. We just don't pray. We got to get back to prayer as the primary thing. Going back to my friend and brother James, he says to us that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availing much. The key term there in effectual fervent prayer is fervent. Prayer is not effectual till it's first fervent. And fervent is the idea of having an object that you're trying to push with all your might. And it's heavy and it's hard to move, but yet you're still pressing on. And as you press on, it begins to move. But you just don't lackadaisical come and la, 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 can't and and be done. No, you keep on pressing. Like the persistent widow who just kept on coming back. God is looking for some folks that have fervent prayer, that'll pray mighty, that'll let sweat come off their forehead to hear from the Lord. Lord blesses that kind of prayer. Because that same text said that Elijah was like anybody else. He had the same passions. But he said that Elijah prayed and for three years and six months there wasn't no rain. Now he's saying that Elijah wasn't so much better than any of us. He says that he had the same desire. It wasn't about who Elijah was. It was about who God was and that Elijah knew whom to call on. 
So a lot of times our situations are the way they are and not getting better because we don't call on the Lord. But God is waiting for his children to call upon his name. He knows what you're going through, but he's waiting on you to act. God wants to show up and show out like he always does, but you got to call on his name because we ask not. We have not. Amen. But the Bible says, if you ask anything in my name, Jesus said, you shall receive it because you believe it. Sometimes we need to do like, like one of the, the people of the New Testament said, Lord, help my unbelief. Because sometimes it's our unbelief that gets in the way. We got to ask the Lord to move our unbelief out the way so that we can get back to the primary thing, to believe in God and understanding who God is and that he is on his throne listening for his children to call upon his name. Amen. And so as we begin to get to the end of our text, we see that there is a rain. And it says, let us run this race with endurance, the race that is set before us. Today I contend with you as the writer does, that this Christian race is not a sprint. It is a marathon. This race is not won by running 100 yards and then quit. We got to put some miles in this race. In this race, it's a lifetime race. And that there are going to be like triathlons. There are going to be some inhibitions along the way. There are going to be some potholes in the race. There are going to be some puddles. There are going to be some rivers to cross. There are going to be some hills to climb. But I want you to know that God is there with you every step of the way. And like that painting that says footprints in the sand, sometimes there's only one set of footprints and those footprints are not ours, it is the Lord's. Sometimes God is carrying us, but he's there not just to cheer us on, but at times he's there to carry us every step of the way. But I'm so glad that our Jesus, as this text says in verse 2, that when we look unto Jesus, We find out that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. That he and he alone gives us the gift of believing in him. And the text goes on to let us know that Jesus went to that old rugged cross not because it was something he didn't want to do but this text tells us today it was for the joy that was set before him you know that the Lord was happy to go to the cross for you and for me he was happy because he loved us just that much. He understood that at the cross there was something that needed to be done. That no man, no woman, no boy, or no girl could do. No one couldn't do it. 
Abraham couldn't do it. Abel couldn't do it. Jeremiah couldn't do it. Ezekiel couldn't do it. Obed couldn't do it. Obadiah couldn't do it. Nor could Malachi. But there was only one who walked this earth who was unmatchless in all his ways. He was the sinless one, the Messiah to come. And his name is Jesus. The text goes on to say that he despised the shame. You do know that our Jesus was on a cross between two thieves. The Bible says that any man who hangs on a tree is cursed. God became a curse so that we could be blessed. Jesus Christ, the Immaculate Lamb of God. The text says that he despised that shame. They put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet. Those nails were for me and for you. The Bible says that he demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Ain't that good news, children, that he died that we might live? But that's not the end of the story because he died on that ninth hour and they took him down from that old rugged cross and they put him in Joseph of Arimathea's new tomb. He was in that grave all night Friday he was in that grave all day Saturday. He was in that grave all night Saturday night. But he was early, oh so early. Sunday morning, he got up with all power. He is yet 
his name. Woo! He's worthy to be praised. He is so worthy to be praised. Amen. And at this time, the doors of the church are open. If there is somebody here who cannot celebrate the reality of God in their lives, they cannot celebrate this newness, the one who gives us the ability to overcome sin. If there's somebody here who can honestly say, I really don't know Jesus. I, I don't talk with him. I, I, I don't walk with him. I don't hear him tell me that I am his own. Right now, you can get to know him just as you are. And I'm here to encourage you to know that you don't have to have a lot of money in your bank account. You don't have to have degrees on your wall. You don't have to be in the upper echelon of wealth in the socioeconomic level. The Bible lets us know the least and the greatest are welcome to come to Jesus. So wherever you are, you can come right now. And I'm here to let you know that tomorrow is not promised. Don't play with God. And don't play with your own life. Don't play Russian roulette. Because tomorrow is not promised. The Lord says, while it is still today, harden not your hearts and come to him today. You can get to know the Lord today. You can come. Is there one? You can get to know him today.
you run on, won't it? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, if all minds and hearts are clear, amen, let us stand for a benediction.
with him. Oh. Lord, we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that indeed visited us today. Lord, thank you for every officer, every member, every visitor on today, O oh God. Lord, it's our prayer that you continue to be with us, O oh God, and to direct our paths, O oh Lord. Lord, we want to be all you want us to be in you, O oh God. Lord, have your way. Lord, help us to run on a little while longer, realizing that this is not a sprint but a marathon. But at the end of the race, when we stick our swords into the sands of time to study war no more, we can only imagine. When we walk those streets of gold and those walls of jasper, and we eat fruits that are sweeter than anything that we could ever imagine. Lord, we praise you and we lift you up. We exalt you as only you can be exalted. And we thank you, Lord. And Lord, as we go from this place to our prospective homes and other destinations, Lord, continue to put your loving arms of protection around us. And to keep us from danger seen and dangers not seen. And Lord, we want to give you all the glory and all the praise. You deserve all the honor and all the exaltation. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Before we hand it over to the hands of our ushers, we're going to pray over our offering. Amen. Amen. Eternal God, our Father, Lord, we bless your name, Master, for another opportunity to give. Lord, we ask that you bless this offering, O God. Bless the tithes, Master, and let them be used for the kingdom agenda. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to do so. And Lord, we want to be what you want us to be in your vineyard, O God. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church said, Amen. And now you are in the hands of our ushers.